Welcome to the church. 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 Hi, I'm Cindy Linton, and I want to welcome you to the church. My husband, Josh, and I are pastors of a growing congregation of people in Normal, Illinois, joining together in an effort to honor God, love people, and discover truth. Thank you for joining us today. What, what a day to be joyous. Yes. If, there is, if there is any other day, today is the day to be joyous. I mean, think about it. The tomb was empty. The Savior had risen. God has blessed us in Illinois with beautiful weather outside. I mean, come on, there isn't, there isn't much that we should be thankful for. God is just has it under control, and, and we, are, we are not worthy, but he allows us to partake in it. Amen? So I'm just excited to be here with you this morning. I, I told the church when we moved into this building, we were going to experience a lot of firsts. This year, this is our first Easter in this building. We don't plan on being here long because we plan on outgrowing this space right. and moving into the That's next right. building. It's going to be bigger than this. But this might be a first for you. Some of you weren't here last year at Easter in this building because none of us were. This is a first for all of us. God is doing great things. He's opening doors and he's opening opportunities. And I just want to be willing to walk into them. Lord, whatever you want, Lord, whatever you need, I just want to follow you. Uh, but for the last couple weeks, I've been preaching a series called Hunt for the Messiah. We started back in the garden, back in the beginning, to grab an understanding of why we need a Messiah. The why is being important. Anybody have children? Yes. They always ask why, don't yes, they? they do. And we don't really want to explain. We just want always. them to do it. I have a 16-year-old. There he is, right there, just coming out of the bathroom. <laughs> That's some timing. I have a 16-year-old that still asks me why, but it, as, a, as a parent, it's important for us to, even when we don't want to sometimes, to explain the why. God is still trying to understand and explain to us the why, the why we need a Messiah, the why being important, and a question often asked when searching, the need for a Messiah is all because of sin. If there was no sin, there would be no need for a Savior. But can I remind somebody this morning that there was sin? Yeah. And because there was sin, we need a mistake. We need a yes, savior. We so we need to hunt for that Messiah. We've been hunting for him. I preached from Romans 5 and what Paul told the church in Rome about sin. Romans 5 and 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. For everyone, sin. Point to yourself and say, that's me. The Bible is talking to us. There's sin that has been applied onto our life. David would tell us in Psalms that we were all born in sin. Sin is why we need a Messiah. Sin is why we need a Savior. Atonement needed to be paid for the trespasses of sin that we, that we lived in. Without a Savior, our lives would be eternally separated from our Lord. I know sometimes we look at the right now. And we think everything's fine. Why do I need a Savior? Because it's not just about the right now. Right. It's about the eternity right. that we are walking into. It's about the, the far beyond. It's about even tomorrow right. of where we're going to need our yes. Savior. Then last week... <laughs> Jesus. 
Jesus, the hunt from the Messiah is all about knowing Jesus. There is no other name. There is no other name. Acts 4, 12, Acts 4, 11 through 12 says this. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scripture where it said, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in nowhere else. You don't need to look anywhere else this morning because there is salvation in nowhere else. God has given no other name under heaven where among men must be saved. It's the name of Jesus that we need in our life. It's the name of Jesus that we need applied on our lives. Jesus is that name. We've discovered the why and we've discovered the who. Jesus came to free us from the grip of sin and shame. Can I get an amen this morning? Jesus came. He went to the cross and the grave to conquer death. Jesus. No one else but Jesus. No one else but Jesus. Everyone say that name this morning. Jesus. Jesus. This morning, though, I want to, if you wouldn't mind standing, I want to preach from the book of Luke, the 24th chapter, and I want to read verses 1 through 7 in the New Living Translation. The Bible says this, but very early on a Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of Jesus that they were looking for. They didn't find him. He wasn't there. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed, bowed to their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Isn't that the question that we should be asking ourselves this morning? Why are we looking among the dead for someone who should be alive? We're not coming here looking for a Savior that's still right. hanging on a cross. Right. We're coming here looking for a Savior right. who defeated hell, death, yes. and the grave. The tomb was empty. Right. He is not. He was not defeated. He is the victor. And that's who we come to worship this morning. He isn't here, they explained. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, that he would raise again on the third day? Come on, let's praise him this morning. Come on, it's a prophetic word. It's just not a prophetic word. It is alive and it is, it is real this morning. You can be seated for just a little bit. Everybody say woman. Woman. Women. They were, they were there to meet him early that Sunday morning. It all happened so quickly. The trial took place at midnight, just close to four days previous, which led to the conviction of guilt. We all celebrated Good Friday, amen? We celebrate Good Friday, right? Because we know that it was the beaten body of Jesus Christ that went to the cross, that atoned for our sin. But it's not just about the celebration of Good Friday, because if we don't turn it into a good celebration all week long, we miss the empty tomb. We miss the empty, the, the Savior rising. It wasn't just about him taking lashes for us so that we could continually be a sinner. It was because he rose from that tomb so that we would no longer have to be bound to that sin. Please don't understand me. The cross is important. But if we stop at the cross, we miss the fact that we can walk in victory. If we miss it, if we stop at the cross, we think we're bound and shackled to the nails. We think that he's still hanging there and he's not. Because three days later, the tomb was empty. Three days later, there was joy in the house. The trial took place. The conviction of guilt was given the spotless lamb 
Not my terms, but biblical terms. All throughout the Bible, Jesus was the one who knew no sin, but yet he put sin upon himself. He was the spotless sacrifice being led to the slaughter. The Roman soldiers mocking him with a crown of, so crown of thorns and a sign that read King of the Jews. How diminishing must that have been? How diminishing must that have been for the one who could have called down angels at any time, at any time to release him from that travesty and mockery. But at the same time, he took every nail. He took every scar. He took every whip and every lash and every mockery. I, I get I get emotional when I preach because you don't know what God brought me from. You don't know where God brought me out of. And all I think about is the lashes that he took for my sin. So that I would no longer have to be bound in that sin. These aren't tears of sorrow. These are tears of joy. Because my Savior came to pay a price for you and I. So that we would no longer have to live in that bondage. Pastor, what kind of bondage are you talking about? I'm talking about the bondage of shame that comes upon you. When things are done in your life that you just think, why did I do that? Why did this take place? The bondage of shame where you can't look somebody squarely in the eyes and have a conversation because there is stuff upon your life that you are afraid might be revealed through the reflection. Do you know the way we walk around in this world? Most people walk around like this and we don't make eye contact anymore. We've said it's because our mobile phones and because of our devices and we're here. No, we're not because most of the people when they're looking at their phone, they're here. What it is is there's shame. There's abundant shame upon us all that we don't even want to make eye contact with one another because I'm afraid that Carolyn might see something in me that I don't want her to notice. And we, but we go around with the shame, but God defeated the shame, the beating, the mockery, the beating of the cat of nine tails that would dig and rip his flesh from his back. The long march with the cross on his back up Galgotha's hill. Oh, think of the pain that he went through so that we would no longer have to live in it. And here 2,000 years later, we still play in it like it's a sandbox. And Jesus, bloodied and beaten, dragged that cross up the hill. The ridicule and the mockery from the people who just days prior shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. His broken and beaten body being nailed to the cross with a nail in each hand and a spike driven through both feet, creating only one single point of support. That's all he had was the one support of his feet. To lift him up, to take a breath, the, the lifting of the hands just to get a breath from his lungs that were heavy. His body was beaten, his body was broken. The cross hoisted up in the air for Jesus to hang in agony. His muscles destroyed from the beating, the flesh tearing from the weight of the nails. Every once in a while he would take and fight for another breath. As the Romans tired of the punishment, a spear was jabbed into, his side, into the side of Jesus, the Bible says. Jesus took his last breath. He gave up the ghost in the scripture. It was late in the afternoon. Darkness had fallen across the land. The veil in the temple 
as my wife said, was torn. It wasn't torn from the bottom to the top. It was torn from the top to the bottom. This was a veil that was not intended to be torn. This was a veil of heavy weavery. It wasn't somebody that went in and sabotaged and said, I'm tired of Rome and I'm going to create a the, the disaster and, and I'm going to go riot in the streets. What happened was is Jesus was no longer hidden behind a curtain for you and I. The Bible said when the veil was torn, God was loosed from the holies of holies so that we no longer have to go to an advocate. We can go straight to the cross. I know this was all planned. I know scripturally this was all planned. This was all planned that we no longer needed a middle, middle, middle person. You don't need me to go to Jesus today. I just happen to be the pastor preaching the word. You can go to Jesus yourself. You know how easy it is? Jesus. 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 That's all we need to do is call upon the name of the Jesus. He's not bound behind a curtain any longer. The Romans tired, they beat him. The Roman officer, there was a Roman officer in our scriptures you can read. The officer questioned Jesus' guilt in that very moment, even making the statement in Luke 23, 47, surely this man was innocent. Surely this man was innocent. A Roman soldier, a pagan Roman soldier who nothing about Christ said, surely this man had not done anything. And when you and I look in the mirror, we know exactly that he didn't do anything. That what he went for was for you and for I. And when we look in that mirror, we should see his face because that sin and bondage no longer has to hold us bound. The crowd, the crowd that gathered, that mocked him up the hill, and they shouted, crucify Crucified, the crowd was now leaving in deep sorrow. In Luke 23 and 48, their heads were hung low. They had witnessed a, something horrific. They had witnessed something that, that wasn't even garnered. It began to dawn on them that they were just shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the Lord. And now, now they had seen him die upon that cross. Jesus' body was taken away to a borrowed tomb. I don't have time to get into that whole story, but it was a borrowed tomb. The stone was placed in front because they were worried that someone was going to come and take him in the night. Guards were set on patrol. Friday was coming to an end. The Sabbath was the next day. The Sabbath where they weren't allowed to do anything on the Sabbath based on the customs and the law. The Sabbath was the second day. There was no movement there was no anything going on that we were aware of, but there was a war. There was a war being waged. There was a war that was waged in the, in the supernatural on the Sabbath. While, while they were at home and nothing was taking place, Jesus went and defeated the devil. Jesus went and defeated the enemy. He took the keys to hell and death and the grave. It was that third day where we find the women bringing back their spices and oils. To atone, his, to atone his body. They had no idea what had taken place the day before. All they know that mourning was still going on in their lives. They had watched, they had watched their Savior. They had watched their rabbi. They had watched their teacher being hung on a cross. They had watched his body being brought down. And before they were ever even able to prepare his spices and put him in his tomb, they were ushered into their homes because it was it was unlawful. To do anything. And so they sat a whole day waiting to be able to pay homage to their Savior, waiting to be able to atone their Master, waiting to be able to get close to the one that had taught them so much. They just had to wait 
to wait, to think about it, to think about the grief. They didn't even have time to prepare the body yet. He was just placed in the tomb with the grave cloth covering him, wondering, waiting, thinking, sadness, anger, fear, uncertainty, and all, and all finally coming complete when the Sabbath day ends and the sun breaks on that Sunday morning. The morning didn't go away. They didn't skip down the trail to the tomb. They, didn't, they weren't going with anticipation. It's why I was so thankful when I told my silly, silly story at the beginning that there was a joy that came into the house. That there was laughter that swept through the room. Because when we come into the house of the Lord on any Sunday, let alone Easter Sunday, there's no need for hanging heads. Sure. We're not walking in mournful. We're not walking in sorrowful. You know, we lift up our voices to the Lord because we know that we're not trying to wake him up. He's already awake. He hears every word that we say. We clap our hands boisterously sometimes. Not to wake everybody else up, but because we know that he's worthy of the praise. We know that he's already got a party and a celebration ready. He's just waiting for us to get there. But finally that Sabbath day broke the morning did not go away. Their grief was still being felt. The uncertainty was still spinning uncontrollably in their minds. The only thing they knew to do was to go to visit the body of Jesus and anoint it. They were expecting the soldiers. They were expecting the stone. They were expecting a reality that they thought they knew. They were not expecting to find the tomb empty. They were not expecting to find the stone rolled away. And they were not expecting to find the guards to be gone. They were expecting to find the body. And that's why they brought the spices. If anybody tells you different, they wouldn't have brought spices if they thought they were not going to find a body. They were fully anticipating grief and going there to see their Savior. The scripture that we read says, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. He is risen. The Bible says, if you have come into the house of the Lord this morning with any grief, with any uncertainty, with any fear, with any doubt, whatever it might be, I want to remind you that you serve a risen Savior. There is no need to walk with a lowly head. There is no need to carry baggage that was never meant for you to carry because we serve a risen Savior. Here's what often happens. I don't have time to go into my testimony, but here's what often happens as I've not lived for the Lord all of my life. Here's what happens. We get baggage. Our baggage gets heavy and we carry it around with us. We walk into a church door with our head held low, wondering, Lord, I just hope that you can forgive me. Can I let you know he already did? Can I let you know he already has? There isn't a sin that he didn't conquer. So stop sitting there with your head low saying, I just hope he can forgive me because there's not a sin that he did not overcome. There is not a, a death that he did not defeat. I know you're doubting me this morning. And here's how I know you're doubting me. Because Easter didn't just happen today. Easter happened thousands of years ago. We have been living every Sunday, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday under Easter. We have been living it under the joy of the Lord. And yet at times, reality sinks in for us. Heaviness catches our head. The day, we call it, we just call it life. You know what? We got used to just calling it life. We don't even call it out anymore. How was your day? Uh, it's just, it was Monday. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we call it that stuff, but do you know there's only, there's joy in the Lord? 
You know, if we have the Lord, there is joy, but you don't know where I work. It doesn't matter. There's joy in the, but you don't know who I have to deal with every day. But it doesn't matter. There is joy in the Lord. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that we just have to live in this. We don't. We don't. Because our reality is not reality that this book describes. That's why they went to the tomb with anointing oils, with spices, because they thought he was still there. What would happen if we start to realize that he is no longer just hanging on the cross, that he is no longer just in the empty tomb, and we started walking around with a trumpet and a hand clap going, here comes Jesus, get behind because I'm following him. What would it look like in our lives? I'll tell you what it would look like. It would look like a changed world. Stop, stop, stop thinking you need to go to Congress to change the world. It starts right here. Stop thinking you need to get involved to change your community. You know where the community change comes from? Right here in this book right here. This book is about love. This book is about peace. This book is about uh, everyone. Love thy neighbor as thyself. That's what this book is about. That's what Easter said. Easter said, I'm not going to have to deal with it anymore. Easter said, you're not going to have to worry about your sins. You're not going to have to run into a place to be safe. Easter said, I busted down the door and everything is open to all. That's what Easter said. That's why it's exciting. That's why it's joyful. Because I could be the biggest chief sinner out there. But Jesus has made a way that I no longer have to bow to that sin and that bondage. He is risen. If you have come in there this morning, whatever it might be, whatever you can think of, he is risen. We don't serve a dead savior. We just serve a God who defeated death. He defeated hell and he defeated grave. He is in this house this Sunday. He is in this house this morning. The Bible says we're two or three are gathered. There I am in the midst. I can count more than two or three. And you're saying, well, that's just a preacher term. That's not a preacher term. That's Jesus's words. Jesus's words says There I am in the midst. Well, how do I know? How do you know? Because he's all around you. Because he's never left you and he never forsook you. In your darkest of darkest moments, he was there. He was there saying, remember. Remember, I already took care of this. Remember, there's no need to hold on to that. Remember, there's no need because I rose from that tomb. I'm not living in a humanity life. I'm a supernatural. I'm the God that hung the stars. You're not dealing with just somebody that's wrote about in a fairy tale book. You are dealing with the God of all creation. There isn't anything too big that our God cannot handle. Come on, I'm going to nail on it just for a little while longer because somebody thinks you got to be bound to it. Somebody thinks years ago you had to go through it. It doesn't matter because today is the day that the Lord has made. Today is the day. And the Bible says, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's not about then. It's about right now. It's about right now. We don't celebrate Easter. We have parents that came in with kids this morning. I have a 10-year-old. He does not like to get dressed in Easter outfits. (laughs) And when it was time to get him dressed, it was a war. I remember even when he was younger, it was war time. To the point that once you finally got him dressed, you were like, I ain't even going to go to church now. And you finally get there. He has the best time. He loves that outfit. Won't even take it off for the next three days. And you're like, why did you do all of this? That's the Lord. The Lord. Because somebody's fighting with something that you've been holding on to. 
You've been holding on and God's trying to get you. He's trying to get his arms around you. He's trying to let you understand that there's no need to hold on to that any longer. There's no need to fight with it any longer because he knows once you put it on, it's going to be the best thing you ever walked into. It's going to be the best thing you ever put on. He has brought us all here to remind us that he is alive. It doesn't matter what your tomorrow is because Jesus already defeated it. It doesn't matter what your tomorrow holds because Jesus already conquered it. It doesn't matter what the rest of your day brings because today is the day that the Lord has made. The uncertainty you came in with, you don't have to lead with. The, 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 the grief that you came in with, you don't have to leave with. Whatever it might be that you came in with, you don't have to leave that way because God is a God of overcomers. Yeah. That is why I want to express it is a happy Easter. Yeah. It is an Easter where you should show all of your teeth. It is an Easter where you should smile the biggest smile that you've ever smiled. It is the Easter that for the rest of this service, you should get a headache because you smile so much. It is the Easter that wherever restaurant you go or wherever you go to eat, you have a hard time chewing your food because you are smiling so big. It is an Easter that we have no reason. We have no reason to fear. We have no reason to doubt. We have no reason to walk with our heads held low because we serve a God who sits high upon the throne. He is not still in a borrowed tomb. The Lord is in this place this morning. He took on sin so that we could be redeemed. So I just want to preach my title this morning, Hunt for the Messiah. He is here. He is here. You don't have to look to your left. You don't have to look to your right. He is right here. He has always been with us. Don't be puzzled. Don't be afraid. Don't be confused. He was not at the tomb. He is not dead. He is risen. And if he is risen, he is here. Amen. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise this morning. What I'm saying is there is no need to hunt any longer. Some of us love to hunt, but this is for something different. You don't need to hunt any longer. It ain't about a game trying to find him because he's here going, I'm right here. I'm right here. It ain't about looking because he's already displayed himself for us. He already went to that cross. Jesus is in the house. Deliverance is in the house. Freedom is in the house. Salvation is in the house. Liberty is in the house. Joy and love and peace are in the house. The fruits of God. Or in the house. Would you pray with me this morning before I continue? Lord, I thank you so much, God, for just the joy. The, just the joy of this day, God. Just the joy of you wrapping yourself in flesh, God. And coming to this world to be the atonement for our sins, God. Lord, I thank you so much, God, for just the joy, just the breath of joy, the pneuma that you have blown into this house, God. Lord, I thank you so much, God, and I pray, God, that our minds would be open, God, for the rest of this service, God, that our hearts would be open, God, to receive everything that you have for us today, Lord. God, I pray on this Easter, Lord, that there would be a transformation in us, Lord Jesus, a pressing closer to you, oh God. And as we press, Lord, I know that you will meet us where we are, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we pray, we celebrate the Lord today. The Bible tells us in Luke, the Bible tells us in Luke, forgive me one second. I have not mastered the art of drinking and talking at the same time. <clears throat> the Bible tells us in Luke that as the women approached, that they found that the stone was rolled away. So the women did what they came to do and they went in. 
I don't know about you. I don't know anybody that visits cemeteries or visits mausoleums or anything like that. But if there was a stone there when I showed up, I'm sure not going in if the stone's been moved. It's, it's, it's just not, it's not happening. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I just tell you right here, men, women are stronger creatures than we are. Because there is no way I'm walking in. And I know I look at a lot of you men. You ain't walking in there either. You're going like this. Matter of fact, later on, Peter, he just did one of these. He didn't even go inside. He just looked. So I can tell. And here the women, here the women are. They're wanting to do what needed to be done. So, you know, they look. And then they just walk right on in. Because they're doing what they're supposed to be. They were, they were sent there to do. They were sent there to anoint the body. So the women, they came what they did. One problem is they couldn't find the body. They were puzzled, the Bible says. I know this is where they put him, if you'd allow me to paraphrase. I know this is where they put him, one of the women probably said. I watched them the night before, rushing home for the Sabbath. I watched them put him in Joseph Aramea's tomb. I watched them put him here. I know this is where he's at, guys. I know this is where they placed him. They were there where they thought they should be, but he was not there. Isn't that true where sometimes you're where you think Keith is, but he wasn't there because that's not where he told you he was going to be? Anybody ever been there? You go over here and he told you the whole time he wanted you to go over that way. Well, they never listened to the prophetic word of God. So here they are following in the reality. Here's what I want to tell you first this morning. If we're not careful, we're going to live our lives the way we think. Jesus wants us to live our lives. Oh, trouble, trouble, trouble. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Because this is what these women were doing. They thought they were supposed to go prepare spices and atone his body. And the whole time they get there, did we miss it? Where is he? Where is he? They were where they thought they were supposed to be, but that's not where he was. It's why we've got to be in this word. It's why we've got to make sure that we know the front and the back of this word. It's why we've got to find the scripture. Well, I don't have time to read it. Well, heaven help us. Heaven help us that we're not just taking somebody's opinion for it. Heaven help us that we're not just going down a road that we think we should go. The road that's beginning to be easy to get on. The road that begins to be habitual, if you'd allow me to say, that we go upon. And we turn Jesus into a habit. We turn Jesus into a habit that we just visit Him on a Wednesday or a Sunday. Or maybe even a special service like an Easter or a Christmas. That it just becomes a habit. And we live our lives like He's just there. And we're just following, but we're not really going and doing what he wants us to do. We're not doing what he has called us to do. But here we find these ladies. And they were just doing what they thought they were supposed to do. Do you have a place? Do you have a place at your home or in your garage where things go? I have this toolbox. And I just throw stuff in it. But I know people that have specific places where things go. And it was at this time that they thought Jesus was in this particular place. If you have a place where particular things go, we have a key hook in our house where keys go. What do you do when it's not there? You get frantic. I don't know how big the tomb was. I don't know how deep the tomb was. But I get the picture of these ladies walking in the tomb and immediately turning. And there is no one there. I get the picture of ladies going, well, maybe. Well, maybe. Well, maybe. And they begin to search 
and to search and to search. How hard do you search when you lose something? I know some people that'll take two steps. My kids. Two, I can't find it. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Honey, where did I put that? <laughs> we search and we search. And here these women are searching. And they didn't have to search too long, right? But I wonder how long we search. How long are we really put in effort to find our Messiah? On this Easter, I wonder how much preparation we prepare for us to come to this service and to hear from the word of the Lord today. I wonder how much we did or if we just said, well, if we find him, great. If we don't, great. We'll still have a good day and we'll still carry on. I, I, they, they, they knew that he was supposed to be there. But they, he was not there. The women had no idea. Their minds could not comprehend what had taken place. Suddenly, the Bible tells us two men, angelic men, appeared. They were in the tomb and two men appeared. Again, I'm telling you, men, we're not walking into an open tomb. Because there might be somebody that will appear in there. And I guarantee you, we're running out with our, holding our coats. We're running so fast. We might even walk in with our wives. And if somebody says, boo, we're out there. We left our wife back behind. We just jetted out of there. But here these ladies are. Get the story with me, would you? They're in the tomb and appear, now appears two men in the tomb. Was that common? That people just appeared in the tomb back then? They had no idea because, and their minds couldn't comprehend. The Bible tells us the women were terrified. They were terrified and they dropped down to their base. I'm running. I'm just telling you. They were terrified. They didn't know what to do. Forget the fact they were angels. They were in a tomb and men just appeared. But the Bible tells us the women being terrified bowed low before them. That's why women are better than us men. They just are. The angel asked them this question, which I want to pose to us this morning. Though we are here to celebrate, I wonder if we really realize that he is a risen Savior. Why are you looking in the tomb for someone who is alive? Why are we going through the ritualistic process of what we think God is looking for? Why are we going through the ritual of what Jesus has set before us? Is it because we think that's what we're supposed to do? Or is it we think that that's what he's calling us to do? Because these ladies brought the spices. They brought the atonement oil. They thought they were doing what they were supposed to do. But the angel's question says, why are you looking for in the tomb for someone who is alive. He isn't here. I'm not trying to shake your religion this morning. I'm trying to shake your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it's not about tradition. Traditions are things that we just hold on to. A relationship with God is every day. It grows and it grows and it grows. It's the reason why the Bible says that we die daily. Because when we die, there is a new day in Christ. And He has new things in store for us. He isn't here. He is risen. From the dead. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Somebody in here this morning. From the time that you were little. God's word has been put into your life. And for whatever reason. From that little time to now. Things have happened. But God has brought you here this morning. To say don't you remember? Don't you remember? Don't you remember my words that were hid in your heart? Like a treasure we have established. That the woman were doing all they knew to do. They were doing what came natural to them after death. The men, the angels, were reminding them, you're not dealing with the natural, but with the supernatural. 
We're not dealing with things that we can see with these eyes. We're dealing with things in the supernatural that we cannot tell. But if we do not tap into it, if we are afraid to get around it, how are we ever going to know what God wants out of our lives? Jesus was not just a man, but not just a son, but God in the flesh. Come on, I'm not talking about just some prophet. I'm not just talking about some son. I'm not just talking about some God. I'm talking about the God of all creation the fullness of the Godhead the Bible would say Jesus was come to do all of these things you're not deep you're we are dealing with the God of all creation the one who hung the stars the one who spoke creation the one who formed breath and breathed breath into Adam's life that pneuma into humanity why then do we think we should comprehend it with our natural mind why then do we think God should be able to be comprehended in our natural? First reason right here. The women were doing what they thought they were supposed to do by taking these spices. And God said, I'm not there. I'm not even there. What would happen if they remembered? What would happen if we remember here today? If you would allow me, I want to paraphrase the angels. The men continue to tell us in the Bible that the son of man must be betrayed into the sands of him, sinful men. And be crucified. That he would rise again on the third day. Luke 9 and 22. This is Jesus' words. This is the prophetic that Jesus prophesied about his own crucifixion and raising from the dead. The son of man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. They all thought he was crazy. His disciples heard this teaching, and yet his disciples didn't even remember. His disciples didn't even understand what was going on. This is not just some story, but the Word of God. The Word of God that is alive and it is active. And if we allow it to, it will find a place in our heart to not just be a dead Savior that we serve, but to be a risen Savior that leads us all throughout our lives. Don't you remember what he said? The angel asks, what a feeling of confidence that rushes over somebody when they ask that statement. Don't you remember? There's a feeling of embarrassment when you're asked, don't you remember, and you don't. I'm getting there. See the gray? I'm getting there. But there's a feeling of confidence when somebody says, don't you remember? And you remember? Because you square your shoulders up a little bit, no matter what the story is that you're telling. You square it up a little bit and you tell that story. And there was confidence that came upon them as their memory was jogged and they grabbed a hold of the truth. See, there is only one truth in our life, and it is this word right here. And as we remember the truth of this scripture, we're allowed to square our shoulders. We're allowed to get a little bit taller because we begin to remember. You remember that person. What the person is stating is correct. I'm not just some preacher wanting to come up here and tell you some nice stories. What I want to do is I want to get some people to remember. I want to get some people to remember about truth that's been placed in your life. To shake it free in you. To let you know that we're just not trying to get by through this world. That God has brought us abundance. Don't you remember? Something rises up when we make that statement. That's right. Agreement happens. Agreement happens. The Bible says when we are in one mind and one accord, God is to do, able to do amazing things. Amen? Amen? When agreement comes into the room, when truth, when truth is declared and agreement comes in, God sweeps in like a mighty storm. He squares people's shoulders. He sets them 
on the right path. The woman, the women in the moment, they remembered Luke 9. They remembered what Jesus told them about his death. Luke 24 and 8 symbolizes this. Then they remembered that he had said this. They were there. They remembered and they knew. God has brought me here to tell somebody on this Easter Sunday, remember what the word says. And if you don't remember, I want to remind you with some scriptures here. Deuteronomy 31 and 8. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Somebody needs to remember that this morning. Somebody needs to remember that you're not on an island all by yourself. You're not just linked up with your family. There is a God. There is a kingdom that is going before you. Isaiah 43, 19 says this. For I am about to do something new. Everybody say something new. Something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. God is coming to bring life into places where there might not have been life for a while. God is coming to do amazing things. John 10 and 10. The thief cometh not for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Remember. The enemy that whispers into your ear is only there to do one thing, and that's to take from you. But the Bible continues and says, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I'm already living a great life. Great. God's got more for you. I'm already living in great places. Great. God's got more. Because when we are without Jesus, we are without the abundance. We're just getting by. Anybody ever heard of people that live paycheck to paycheck? I know it's nobody in here. We're just getting by. But what if we walked in the abundance of God? What if we walked so full in the abundance of God that it didn't matter? We were able to help those around us that we wanted to help freely because we weren't constricted or we weren't constrained. What happened if we celebrated the joy of Easter every day of our lives? What happened if we celebrate a risen Savior all the time? Having then remembered the women rushed to tell the disciples. We have got. We've got to tell the guys. Paraphrasing. We, they're going to be so excited about this. There is no reason for mourning and uncertainty. Every word spoken is true. They have their interaction. They have their time of mourning. And their time of grief. And the angel said remember. And as they begin to remember. That grief turned into joy. That grief turned into excitement. That grief turned into. I've got to tell somebody. I've got to tell somebody about Jesus and they went running to tell the disciples the disciples you guys know who the disciples are they are the disciples they even got a special name they're not just people they are the disciples Jesus handpicked them special individuals right do you know what happened when they told the disciples they didn't believe them what kind of disciples are they? <laughs> what kind of disciples are they? They didn't believe them. But the women were with so much excitement. Peter, John finally said, I've got to go see for myself. I've got to go see for myself. They went running and sprinting to see what is in there. I don't want you to take my word that there is a risen Savior this morning. I don't want you to take my word for it this morning. I want you to come and look for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I want Jesus brought you in this house, not for you to listen to what I've got to say, but so that you can approach him yourself and you can find out for yourself that the tomb is empty. Disciples, they didn't remember his words. They were right there in Luke, Luke 9. They heard it, and yet they didn't remember themselves. 
And here come these ladies running. There, there, there wasn't anybody there. The stone was gone. The angels, these men in bright shining clothes came and visited us. And they just told us to remember. Guys, do you remember? Do you remember? No, we don't remember. Our master's gone. We don't remember. Peter and John, I got to go look. I got to go look. I'm not going to believe a word you say, but I've got to go look for myself. The reality of their situation seemed too great for them to overcome. But wanting to see Peter and John ran to the empty tomb. And I told you at the beginning, they peered inside and all they found was folded up grave clothes. All they found was folded up grave clothes. He was not there. He was not there. He is not there. You can go searching in a grave for Jesus. You're not ever going to find him. He is not in an empty tomb. He is here in this house this morning. Real as I've ever been, he is here amongst us today. Stand with me this morning. I'm excited for Easter. I'm excited for the day. That, this, that the Lord has made. I was excited last Sunday when we did our Easter egg hunt over there. And I'm, I'm more excited today than I was then. Because Easter egg hunt is all about just opening up a thing. And did you get what you get inside? Some people got candy. Some people got little stamps. Some people got more candy. And some people got money. Right? You don't ever have to wonder what you're getting with Jesus. That egg is always full. That egg is always filled. Everything that comes with the Lord, when we search for God, everything that comes with it, comes with Him. The peace, the love, the joy, everything that we want, when we find God, everything comes with it. He's not compartmentalized like we deal with ourselves. He is not here. He is risen. Amen? Come on, let's celebrate Him with a hand clap this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. We celebrate the empty tomb this morning. We are victorious because he is victorious. Our musicians are going to come and we're going to close this service worshiping and glorifying God this morning. We're going to come and celebrate our risen Savior. There is no reason to not celebrate today. I have already set this up. There is no, there is no need to repent for, for a, a, a slow altar service with repentance. If, if you don't know the Lord today, I encourage you to come find Him. How do I find Him? The Bible says repent. Right. Repentant is just saying, God, I want to find you. God, I want to follow after you. God, I want to turn to you. And then it's just a matter of following after the scripture, whether it's through a Bible study or whether it's through studying yourself. It just says, God, I want you. Then the Bible says, be baptized in Jesus name. I already told you the scripture. There's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that's the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us the greatest of all. He shall. You shall. It's not something we have to work for. We shall receive the gift of his spirit. God's spirit wants to come and live and lead us in our lives. But maybe you're here today and you're someone that's not sure this morning. Maybe, maybe you're listening, but you want to see for yourself. Maybe the thought of reality of all this stuff in your life has got you weighed down. Maybe like the disciples, you're sitting here still. Just wondering, is it true? Is the tomb empty? But how? Luke 24 and 36, Jesus appeared before the disciples and said, Peace be with you. Heavy decisions were being weighed in that room with the disciples. They were trying to grip, grab on to whether this is right or we're still searching. 
And Jesus' words were the words I think you need to hear today. Peace be with you. It's not a heavy decision. This is the easiest decision that you could ever make in your life. There is nothing weighted upon it. Because Jesus has already brought peace. He has already brought love. And He has already brought joy, fear, doubt, uncertainty. Are, are, are not the answers Jesus is, or, or, is the answer that Jesus is, and He is in the house this morning. The Savior of the world. He is our Savior this morning. The Bible says in Psalms 34 and 8, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. What about it today? What about it today? Whether right where you're at or whether you want to come forward into these altars. I wonder as they begin to sing. I wonder if we could just begin to lift up our hands. I wonder if we could just begin to allow our voices to speak out. I wonder if we could just begin to celebrate the God that we serve today. I wonder if we could celebrate in our own way this risen Savior that we come to glorify today. Come on as they sing out. Come on, let there be peace upon you this morning. Come on, let there be joy upon us this morning. If you need prayer, come to these altars, step out of your seats. God will meet us where we're at. The hunt for the Messiah is no longer necessary because He is in the house this morning. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the church. We hope you feel encouraged by the words you have heard today and would love the opportunity to get to meet you in person if you ever find yourself in Normal, Illinois. For more information on what's happening and to discover ways to connect, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and never miss a service. Also, follow us on social media. Find us on Instagram by searching thechurch.normalil or on Facebook by searching The Church. Direct links can be found in the show notes.